Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Tabletop Cyberpunk, the podcast about cyberpunk, the tabletop games. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I am John John the Wise, and we are here to talk about Cyberpunk Red 2020 and anything else in between. Thank you so much, guys. Hope you've had a wonderful week. I greatly apologize for not having something for you guys on Saturday. But here I am, I'm recording, it's a Monday right now, and I'm having a great time being a part of this community. So, before we get started, make sure you guys join that Discord community. The link will be in the description below. It's a Discord community for cyberpunk fans. And make sure you join me on social media by finding me at JohnJohnTheWise. And I also have a Patreon that you can join patreon.com slash john john the wise i'm really really appreciative of everybody that's part of that patreon and uh, make sure you guys find me at my youtube channel youtube.com slash john john the wise where that's where i make most of my cyberpunk content hello everybody great to be with you guys once again doing these solo podcasts i had to just come and chill and talk to you guys and um i didn't really have a lot to say today but it's enough that I want to definitely have a chat with you guys and talk about some things. First of all, uh, I wanted to talk about GaryCon because I was invited to be on a cyberpunk panel with a bunch of other content creators that I was that I'm all big fans of. I'm talking about Taylor Patrick, uh, Taylor from ConSave, Patrick from the uh, Two Brothers Gaming, Simon from Wandering DM. David from High Shelf Gaming, and of course we had James Hutt from Artelsorian Games joining us to talk about Cyberpunk. And you know, other than it being, uh, uh, first of all, I had to, I had a choice. I, I usually go to my dad's. Whoops. I usually go to my dad's house on those Saturdays, and I had a choice: either I cancel with my dad. And I do the Gary Con panel, and that sucks because that's how he gets to see my son. You know, he sees him twice a month, so that's like our designated day. Or I would um, cancel on the Gary Con panel and go to my dad's house and do whatever we do. But then I found a third solution where I said, "Why don't I just do the Gary Con panel from my dad's house? I'll bring my mic, I'll bring my cam, and they can watch the kid. Everybody's happy." And that's what I did. They were very appreciative of that, my dad and my sister. And I took my son over there, did the Gary Con panel. I could hear utter chaos going in the next room, in the living room. I could hear, like, my kid screaming, them running after him. He's kind of a handful, but that's how two- and three-year-olds are. And, uh, yeah, I got to do it anyway, so it was great. I'm glad I made that choice. I got to hang out with those people. You know what I learned? I learned that, you know, let me turn this gain down. I feel like we're getting really loud. There we go. Uh, what I learned uh, as a part of GaryCon, I learned that there's so much you can learn from other game masters and just other people in general that play the game, whether they're players or game masters. I mean, every single one of the people that was on that panel that I that I was honored to be on, are fortunate enough to be on they all have countless experience so many hours of gaming and their passion for the game is just as just as much as mine 
And it's really cool when you get to hang out with people that are into the same thing that you're into. Like um, one of my good friends right now, he's uh, he's kind of like has to stay home for a little while to recover from something. And he's been like pretty much on his own. And he's always been into like, you know, fantasy stuff, Lord of the Rings, uh, the Marvel movies and uh, video games too, like here and there. So he he's he dabbles in nerd culture as I say it. Uh I I like saying that. Like my wife also dabbles in nerd culture, but she'll never play uh, I I shouldn't say never, but she's never played a tabletop RPG and it's like pulling teeth to get her and my sister and my sister's boyfriend to play Betrayal on on the hill haunted Betrayal house on the haunt. You know you guys know what I'm talking about. But basically I I realized like uh what I'm into is like super nerdy, dude. Because he was looking at my YouTube channel, and he's he's like still trying to figure out what it is, and it is really hard to figure out what I'm doing. I'm literally like talking about like the philosophy of Cyberpunk, the tabletop game. It's a niche game. It's a small community, and I've like hyper focused on this one thing that I'm so into, and. If, as an I get I got to see it a little bit from his outsider perspective. I got to see what it looks like from his end. On his end, he's like, "Oh, I guess people like the videos you make, even though I don't understand them and I don't know what's going on." That people like them, that and he recognized that. And for me, it's like <laughs> it's just it's good to step out of bounds of this world sometimes and realize why i got into all this in the first place and the reason i got into it in the first place is because i just love it so much i seriously just love the game i love playing it i love writing it i love planning it i love talking about it and getting to hang out with a bunch of other creators that feel the same way is really a fun process man and it's like for all of you that have been to conventions and stuff like that, you're like, duh, John, why do you think we go to conventions? For me, it's uh, I'm so glad that this virtual convention stuff is going on for me to have this opportunity because it's really tough for me to like get on a plane, leave my family, be somewhere for a few days um, just to like, you know, have the same kind of feeling, but in person, obviously it's more elevated when you're in person. Uh, It's really difficult for me to do that. I will have so much like dad and husband guilt for leaving my family like that, um, that I'm grateful that this kind of opportunity was around for me to hang out with these people. Um, But yeah, basically what I mean to say in in a roundabout way is I've learned a lot from other creators. I've learned a lot from players from people outside of the game inside of the game and every day is a learning experience for me i know that my name is john john the wise and my entire channel is based on my opinion on how things are or should be or whatever you want to call it i'm I'm out here just telling people how to play the game a lot of people will say like oh you're the guy that i went to for information on this game and it made me better at it or understand it better which is my goal that's what basically what i'm trying to do but in i don't know everything i'm terrible like i mess up rules all the time i'll say stuff in our discord like oh this is the rule and then someone will be like wait a minute 
I'm confused. I thought it was this. And my immediate reaction is like, yeah, dude, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm always wrong. I'm almost always wrong because I forget things. I misread things. I pass over things in the book that I didn't notice before. Um, And it just happens. That's it. And that also teaches me to be a lot more humble about it. Like, I know, like I said, I know I have a YouTube channel that talks about the philosophies and I go on telling people how to play the game. But really, I'm just like you. Like, I don't know that much about it. Uh, I know, like, more than the average person because it's my passion. I like reading the books. I like playing the games. I have more experience playing because I schedule games. I write games. But when you see how other people play the game, it opens your eyes uh, to the possibilities of different things that you can do. And that's what I really love about panels like the one we had for Gary Khan and just being able to listen to, you know, like Simon was saying uh, from Wandering DM, he has a bunch of games playing in one setting, which is exactly what I'm working on right now. And he's like, I don't have to have a hustle chart for downtime for my players. I have a separate chart where it's like this other player in my game is a net runner so he'll do net runner stuff for you if you pay him and so the players are like paying each other and that's their hustles they're hustling with each other they make like this little community and i thought that that's a genius thing to do i love it obviously that's something i wanted to explore but I'm, i wasn't sure how to exactly execute it so i was glad that somebody else tried it so i can understand how to execute it and we started the patreon game which i'll get into in a little bit but we started our patreon game and it was a session zero but then we also tested out my new open road homebrew mechanics game where it's like a mini game within the game and uh there's rules on my on my youtube on the in the discord i don't know exactly i've posted it all over the place if you really want to get those rules let me know and i'll I'll give it to you on social media or whatever but basically, it it makes traveling from one place to another more interesting. Things can happen in between. There's things you can do to better your chances of survival and safety. And then there's also things that just uh, are terrible if they happen to you. So we tested it out. It was great. It, it told a really fun story for them. They were like, oh, this is something they never experienced. And... When you take people that have read the book and they're like, oh, I want to play this game. And then you tell them like, yeah, we're playing that game, but I'm all I have my own games that I'm uh, injecting into here. Some for some people, that's great for other people. They're like, oh, great. This is probably going to suck because and they're probably right. There's times where I or other game masters out there have decided to inject their own homebrew mechanics or game into the system and while we're playing and it kind of sucks i mean for lack of a better word it doesn't feel good it's clunky it's not fun it's not intuitive whatever the words are that that you want to say the idea is that sometimes it can flop and i wasn't sure if that was going to happen i'm glad we were able to test it it seemed okay and maybe it could be tweaked to be a little bit harder actually i think i went a little bit soft on it you know when you design these things you're like oh this is going to be terrible if it happens but then you realize like oh no it's not that bad and uh 
the idea was they had a two-hour travel, and within the two hours, they uh, they avoided two roadside bombs and got into an ambush and fought their way out of an ambush. So actually, if you think about it that way, it was pretty dangerous on paper, even though, I mean, they didn't even get a scratch on them because they're crazy edge runner cyberpunks. But just saying that story makes you know, okay, traveling on the road is dangerous, whether you can get through it or not. That's up to you, but it is a dangerous thing to do. And that's what I ultimately wanted to express with that mechanic. And I think I did it. All right. So let's talk about the, um, let's talk about my Patreon game. Uh, this is kind of like a little bit of a war story. So the idea is, if you guys are not uh, up to speed, is I've decided finally, I know I've said on this podcast that I don't like the idea of doing uh, paid games and stuff like that. But I've decided to reconsider that idea because you should always be evolving. You should always be changing your mind and thinking of different aspects of a scenario and not be married to one idea, That, in my opinion. So I, I determined that I don't mind running paid games for some people uh, if they want to support me and they want to help me in my pursuits and they want to show their gratitude towards me. And I, f- I feel like the least I can do is run a game for them. So whether that's paid or not, you know, obviously that's a paid game, but it's not explicitly like, hey, I give me however many dollars and, and then you can play in my game. It's more like, hey, because you supported me and you're a part of my Patreon, I want to run a game for you to show you my gratitude. And whether it's going to... And I also didn't want it to just be a one-shot. One-shot campaigns are not... They shouldn't even be called campaigns. They're just one-shot... Well, they're called one-shot adventures most of the time. But one-shots are cool for certain environments if you just want to pick up the game. But to be honest with you, it's not fun. There's no stakes. If your character dies, nobody cares. Um... You, if whatever rewards you get, they don't matter because it's just for this game. So nothing really, there's no g- gravity to any consequences. It's just rolling dice, talking shit with your buddies. So that's fun. That's fine. But that's not the experience of playing the game. You know what I mean? In my opinion, the one shots are like a, a remedy to a problem of, hey, I want to play, but I don't have time to get into a, a big campaign. Is there any way we could just play Today it'll be it will start today it'll end today when we leave and we'll be all done. That's all that a one shot was supposed to remedy. But that experience is not the 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 ultimate cyberpunk experience in my opinion. The ultimate cyberpunk experience is having a character you're invested in, role playing this character, feeling the danger of that you could lose this character, and then also feeling the reward of growing that character. And you can't really do that in one-shot campaigns. So I decided I will run these Patreon games uh, for however many people that want to join. And so far, we only have five people, and only three of them made it in our first game. So you guys can join, and I I will run a consistent, concurrent campaign for you guys. It'll just keep going. There's no end in sight. We'll keep going. Your characters will grow. And if there's any storylines, we'll explore it. We'll just play it. This is a camp. We're playing it like it's a campaign. So that was my idea with it. 
And I also realized it would be a lot of work for me to create multiple settings. So I decided to make the Amber Oasis. And if you guys have heard past episode, I think the last episode, uh, I talked about the Amber Oasis. And it was for that exact same reason. I'm writing a story for the wise guys. And I'm also writing a story for my Patreon people. And I'm also writing a story for anybody else that plays in my game in the future. We're going to be in the same setting. And it's cool enough and diverse enough that you can get the city lifestyle, the rural lifestyle. And you can even go from different cities, city to city. And they all have their own characteristics. I have multiple cities. Night City is one city. I have Dallas, Plano, San Antonio, Austin, Houston, uh, College Station, Lafayette, Nagadoches, which is like some small areas, Waco, Tyler, so many. These All these will have their own personalities. Some of them are com- full-on combat zones. Some of them are uh, like, it's a combat zone. But if you guys have ever played that Fallout game, there's a place, I forgot what it's called, but it's basically where like bandits go and they have like slaves. And if you're a bad guy, character in fallout you can like actually go there if you're considered like a good guy in the universe then they don't let you in and they tell you to scram because you're a goody two-shoes and i have that same kind of place in uh in that area i think it's in tyler and then there's another one i call it the twin cities blah 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 it's a whole thing that's in my mind but anyway i digress the idea is i want to have all these different places because it can spark all kinds of adventures from any which way there's all these factions all of them need some they all have their own agendas and the players just get mixed up into it they can get mixed up on a micro level and a macro level but the idea is i wanted excuse me i wanted to create a big old campaign that everybody can play in everybody can drop in and out of it it makes sense if your character's in and then then they leave for whatever reason, it's a nomad encampment. People come and go all the time. So I wanted it to still feel like you're playing a one-shot style, but it's a consistent campaign. So I'm kind of doing like, oh, I'm having my cake and eating it too, is what I'm trying to say. So anyway, we started our first Patreon game. Uh, we had three characters. One's a nomad, one is a solo, and the other one is a medtech. So these three, first of all, our first session was a session zero. And what I usually like to do in session zero is obviously character introductions. And even though I have characters backstory on paper, because they all sent me their character sheets, even though I have all that stuff on paper and I can just read it and then I can hear about their backstory, I would I would rather hear it from your own words because you will emphasize the things that you think are interesting about your character more than what I would read on a piece of paper. So, oops, sorry, I keep banging the mic. So I would write, because I talk with my hands like an Italian, but you have the you have your character sheet, you have a vision for your character, and you have something that about your character that you love. I want to hear it coming from you. I want to hear the passion. I want to hear the interest. And I usually take notes. I listen to what they have to say. And that's exactly what I did. I want each one of them to give me character introductions. We all get to learn about their character. 
We all get to hear what they find interesting about them. And then me as a game master, I take notes and I think, all right, I know exactly what to do with this character because you've just given me the clues on what's interesting to you. All right. Then what I do is this is something I learned from James Hutt from Martel Sorian. He did a let's play or sorry, uh, uh, an actual play with a group of people on Twitch that I'm not familiar with. Uh, shoot, I forgot their names. But anyway, he did like a, uh, he ran a game for them. He ran a one shot for them. And the first thing he had each one of them do is roll on the hustle chart in the book. And I thought, oh man, that's so genius. So the idea is it gives the, first of all, it gives them pocket money if they need to do something during the session, if they don't have money. And number two, it tells you what they had recently been doing. Like, we know about their backstory. We know about stuff that's happened way back when and has shaped who they are. But what were they doing last week? Because that's stuff that will be significant in the present. Stuff that happened yesterday is more important than stuff that happened 100 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever. So that's what I like to do. I like to run the hustle chart. And then sometimes a beautiful thing will happen where two of their hustle charts kind of coincide. You can make them work. Like one is doing a favor for a corporate. The other one is looking for a corporate to assassinate, let's say. That's not on the hustle chart, but let's just say that that's their thing. So maybe that's how these two characters got connected, was one was doing a job, the other one was doing a job, and they realized that they could both make money somehow. It was a terrible example, guys. I just pulled it out of my ass. But what I'm trying to say is you can connect their hustle charts sometimes. And not only do the players get a little bit of pocket money, but we also get to learn about their characters, about their past, their present, and their near past. So that's what we did. Uh, we did character introductions. We also it, were using Foundry VTT, and for some people that it's new. So I definitely wanted them to get the kinks out. And if you guys are playing in person, I think it's still important to get everybody's character sheets out, look at everybody's character sheets, see how it's structured, because you'll catch stuff like, oh, you didn't put the twos, two uh, skill points in these uh, starter skills that everybody gets. These are the default skills. Oh, your your uh, assault rifle is actually a 5d6, not a 4d6 weapon. So these are all things you can catch right at session zero, looking at everybody's character sheet. That's something that I would definitely, definitely recommend no matter what. With the virtual tabletop, that as well, as a game master, you probably, or even as another player, you probably want to tell people about like macros or things, uh, like shortcuts to things, like control left click does this, like they don't tell you somewhere deep in the, in the options menu to learn something like that. But if you have experience, you know that you can do that. So all we did all those things as well. And I didn't want to leave it on that. I definitely wanted to give them something to do. So I came up with the most basic of basic missions. A ranger comes in to a place where all three of them are there. They're like, why are we here? And I tell them, oh, you guys were called to go. The two of you were called to go meet there. You don't know why. And uh, you were not called, but you were there. So now you're a part of it. It's just so like 
surface value, vague. I wasn't trying to be deep or anything like that. Sorry, spoiler to my players. Uh, but stick around and listen. I just wanted them to connect. I just wanted them to get on doing something for the day so we can get the... You don't want to meet up, talk about your characters, roll some dice for the hustle chart, and then not actually play. Like, let's fucking play. You know what I mean? So basically, that's what I did. I, I had them I had them meet up somewhere. The ranger gave, the Texas Ranger gave them a mission, said, go, uh, we have a guy that's kidnapped. We're spread thin. We can't go and help him. Is there any way you guys will go to a Dallas combat zone and save Ranger, uh, whatever his name was? And they all agree because they're getting paid. And I made sure that it was enough money that they would all be satisfied. And it would make sense for their characters to be like, yeah, I mean, if that's how much we're getting paid, then yeah, we're going to go do it. So basically they did that. They all hopped into a vehicle together. We did the open road travel, like I said. We tested that out and we did some combat. Then they got to the place and got into the warehouse uh, where the where the ranger was kidnapped, and then I ended the session. So I made sure that they did a little bit, they got somewhere, and there was like an ending action that happened before we ended the session. So they had a lot of fun. They had a huge, uh, they had a blast, and they said that they can't wait to do it again. And honestly, I can't wait either. Now, after the fact, let me tell you guys how I figured things. So now I got to figure out things and and i kind of have i got to figure out why they were picked in the first place remember i didn't have a reason why before and and we're going to get into that a little bit later as uh, i have a treat for you guys so they they i didn't have an idea why they would do this thing why they're being asked to do it why not somebody else why are these three guys being asked you know there's all these security escort guys why can't the rangers just do it themselves like really they don't have enough manpower to do it maybe that's the truth maybe that's uh, a, a kind of like a test or something maybe something is missing from the details now i can go after the fact and and say oh yeah, there was definitely a reason. When I first initially did it, there was no reason. And that should be a lesson to you guys to just try something and don't. you don't really have to have a reason why. You know, you don't have to have it in the books. You don't have to have it written down. Like, this is why this is happening. Just throw it out there. See how your players react to it. And later on down the line, you'll make a reason why this and this has happened. I know it sounds counterintuitive and it kind of puts you in a corner where you have to decide. But honestly, the the idea will come to you. If you've seen enough movies, watch enough shows, you have enough, uh, you have enough inspiration, you're going to figure it out. You don't need, you don't need to worry too much about it. So that's the process I'm in right now. I have their backstories. I created an idea from their stories. I found like a thread that they can all kind of hold on to and it makes sense for their characters. And I also have figured out how this initial quest or mission that they've been sent on, how I can give it more depth after the fact. So that's it. That's it. Had a lot of fun with the Patreon folks. Uh, Can't wait to do it again. We're going to ramp up the wise guys soon as well. I've got a bunch of artwork with them done. I just really have to get to writing. 
um, I have to get to the plot chart and all the things that I, I do. Um, and uh, as I said on my live stream today, which, by the way, I forgot to mention, every Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, I do a live stream, Cyberpunk in a Car. You can see it on my YouTube channel. The VODs are there. But basically, I just sit in a car and I talk about Cyberpunk for an hour or two hours, depending if my phone explodes uh, from the heat or not. Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, during my live chat, I was talking about uh, I was talking about the wise guys. Jesus, I lost my train of thought. Talking about the wise guys, we're ramping it up, and I lost it. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Well, anyway, we're ramping that up. Uh, I'm working. Oh, that's that's what it is. I remember. Uh, I have like paralysis, paralysis by analysis, analysis by paralysis, whatever the hell the thing's called. When you have so many ideas in your head and you end up doing none of them because you don't know where to start. Uh, that's going to change. I'm definitely going to get focused and make a list because that's what you got to do as an adult. You got to make schedules and lists because your brain is just mush and as much as you want to be spontaneous and just let your passions lead you when you become an adult you have so many responsibilities that you have to make lists and schedules for your fun so that's exactly what i'm doing i'm going to do that i'm going to make some schedules things are going to get done i'm going to push out content on a more steady basis and uh remember i got into all this just for fun it's always been fun. It's still fun. It remains to be fun. I don't see any end in sight right now. Uh, there isn't anything that's, you know, that I've seen, I see new things coming that are exciting me. I don't see myself uh, not wanting to do this anymore or, or even close to that. I'm having a great time. So I'll be continuing to do what I'm doing. All right. So as for my treat, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about my old campaign, the, the one shot uh, that was supposed to be so yeah this the the last wise guys campaign i thought it would be pretty cool if i can go through my campaign notes and go over them with you guys and show you guys how the players completely changed everything how things completely changed from what i had written in my notes because i didn't go back and adjust them or anything like that i keep them exactly the way they are I don't touch them because I think it's interesting to go back. I hit the mic stand to go back and see what had happened and how things have changed. So if you guys are not interested in that and you think that's boring, I understand. Hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. But for those of you that are sticking around, let's get into it. So to start with this, to preface, if you guys don't already know, my last campaign with the wise guys was supposed to just be a one shot adventure. I got invited to Archeo Gaming Con to run a uh, one-shot adventure. They said, yeah, you can run it with whoever you want. And instead of getting my players to meet up at an exact time, I just said, why don't we just pre-record it, meet up whenever it's convenient to us, and then we'll give them the video file and they'll just play it. And it'll be like a live event, broadcasting a pre-recorded thing. We were in chat as well, watching it when it went down. So anyway, they thought, yeah, that's fine. Uh, then I thought to my, I was supposed to run like a Cyberpunk 2020 game. But then Jay Gray from Artelsorian hit me up and gave me the beta rules to Cyberpunk Red. And I was like, oh, shit. Then I read it and I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to? I honestly, I read it and I was like, OK, well, I can't play 2020 now. Why would I? Why would I play anything but this game right now? 
this is the game to be playing. And I basically said, and he said, yeah, this is for actual play purposes. So, you know, I was already thinking, all right, I got to plan a campaign and this and that. Then I told my players, I said, hey, listen, guys, why don't we run a one shot? Just make some one shot characters for Cyberpunk Red. I gave them all copies as I was allowed to do. And they basically said, yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, let's run a one shot. They made their characters. And we I designed a one shot campaign. And remember, we're playing in. Archeo Gaming Con, which is like an archaeology convention game, how archaeology and gaming collide in 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 a convention. Um, honestly, I'm really ignorant. I don't know. I have no idea how they collide. It's like, you know, how do lemonade and lawnmowers collide? And I'm like, I don't know, dude. You tell me. <laughs> but basically, but I guess it does a lot. Uh, like you know, Assassin's Creed and stuff like that. <laughs> but anyway, I'm digressing. What I mean to say is uh, they invited me and I was like, okay, why don't I make a one-shot campaign or one-shot adventure that takes place like it has like archaeology elements to it. I think that would be fitting, you know. They didn't even ask me to do that. They didn't say it has to be anything about archaeology. They just said that cyberpunk is naturally uh, like has some kind of similarities to archaeology i don't know how like i said they're the experts they said that that is the truth and i believe them but i did want to respect the topic and i did want to make something interesting so i decided yeah why don't i run like some kind of campaign uh, one shot that takes place in an archaeological site uh let's get out of night city let's try somewhere new i want to try something different so we tried austin uh i i decided okay is there no this is what i did i said um famous archaeological i googled famous archaeological sites in texas and there was one called the galt site it's 40 miles north of austin and i decided to go there so here let me read you guys the master plot so this is the the sentence or or as i've said in past videos uh or this is just like the overarching plot that is supposed to be part of the whole one shot. This is the one shot, right? So Biotechnica is sending an armed caravan to the Galt site, 40 miles north of Austin, Texas. Their goal is to take over the archaeological site that is currently being guarded by a nomad family called the Cent- Central Texas Preservation Society. So that's actually a real um that's a real organization. The Central Texas Preservation Society is from the university that's near Austin. And the names that I used in my campaign were from people that are real uh, professors and stuff at that university. Professors and stuff. That's hilarious. At that university. So I took real names. I took a real place. And I thought to myself, if this was the dark future, those people would create a nomad group and they would protect the archaeological dig sites because they value them. So that's basically what I came up with. They're called the Central Texas Preservation Society, and they guard the Galt site. And all of a sudden, Biotechnica wants to take over. Uh, Biotechnica has warned the family to leave the area. They will show up with force and plan on taking the site with or without bloodshed. The Nomad family has commissioned the players to sabotage the Biotechnica operation that it is that is preparing in nearby Austin, Texas. 
The Nomads also hope that the players can unearth some damning information about Biotechnica's operation that will show the world their intentions, because we don't know why they want to do what they're doing. So hopefully the players can uncover some reason why they're doing that. Uh, Hopefully this will stop Biotechnica from continuing their plans. Austin is a large city much like night city the players must find answers there so there we go that's a perfect one shot the it it has like a time factor biotechnica's imminently going to that site they're going to take over they have all the permits the austin police department is corrupt they paid off some officials uh that's how i thought about it or or city council's corrupt they got some permits when the Central Texas Preservation Society has been in charge of it this whole time. So that 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 was my one-shot adventure. They were going to find out that Biotechnica is trying to find unradiated DNA from that Galt site. And I actually looked this up. There is, uh, there is incidents of them finding, uh, archaeologists finding gum from ancient people, chewing gum. And that... I thought to myself, like, oh, my God, that should have their DNA, right? So it would have their DNA, and Biotechnica wants to clone people to make them AI for their systems because of how demons, you know how demons are in net-run systems and net architectures? They're dummy AI that can only do basic functions. What if you can actually add a smart AI and have human intuition and human instinct with it and make it better so it's it's some real mad scientist crazy shit that biotechnica is doing and that's what i decided the secret would be so that's my one shot idea the players start playing uh the first thing that i wanted to happen was that they would rescue dr creel from being kidnapped so he's like in a car the the session starts with them in a car chase and i wanted them to chase this car down but they have to be careful not to you know fire at the car because dr creel is in there but the bad guys have no problem firing out of their car so i created this giant battle map where it was going to and i also wanted to try out the vehicle combat rules so i made this giant map I was like, I got to make it as long as possible because they're going to be driving through the streets and and weaving through traffic and blah, blah, blah. And next thing I know, like we start vehicle combat on the second turn, they disabled the vehicle. (laughs) So I was like, okay, there goes my whole car chase. Literally in the second turn, it was over. So then uh i decided once it is over and they disable the vehicle somehow i didn't think it was going to happen in two rounds they would the vehicle would go into an alleyway that is like a dead end and in that alleyway is also an entrance to a go gang which is a motorcycle gang hideout like uh they, they go to this club all the time right so they do that they go out there they start fighting they win the combat easily they get their VIP and they get out of there. And they basically, they destroy, they didn't destroy some of the motorcycle gang's vehicles, but I had thought that they did. I was like, oh, during the gunfight, the vehicles got damaged. Later on, I said this and my players even corrected me and they said, nobody even shot in that direction. And I could, I had to go, okay, I'm changing it. <laughs> they they all got a laugh from that because I was like, hey, I'm changing what I said. 
uh, he perceived that, or or the the net runner that got it was in charge of the lights. When he blew all the lights and the sparks flew out, those sparks got onto the motorcycles and they damaged the paint. And the players laughed. They're like, "Okay, John, whatever you say. First it was one thing, and now you changed it." So anyway, they get their VIP. They get out of there. Their VIP gives them, uh, tells them, "Come to my house." Uh, that all that stuff happened. They went to the house. They met the other nomad family. They talked more about the plot. They and then this is where the plot comes in. I talk about a twenty thousand years old at uh, artifacts that are twenty thousand years old and are evidence of human life during that time. There's spearheads. There's gum. Blah blah blah. And let's see here. Society. Uh, Biotechnical was going to resume the research in that area and the Preservation Society was ordered to release all the results of their research to them. And they're like, there's no way we're doing that. The society declined and are holding a defensive fortification at the Galt site. But remember, these are professors and scholars. They're not really fighters. They vowed to protect the site from the corporate agenda of Biotechnica. There are no consequences from the city of Austin. I mean, they have the permits. Why do they need consequences? They deem the conflict a civil matter at this at that point, allowing Biotechnica to resolve this case on their own terms. I mean, when you hear that from the government, you're like, oh, great. No one's on my side. One month later. So this is all during the permits and stuff like that. And Biotechnica giving them warning like, hey, just surrender now. So everything will be easier for you. Uh, one month later, two family members had gone missing, Elena Covey and Jeffrey Denbau. Again, real people's names from a nearby university in Austin that are part of the archaeology ar- department. I was hoping that like one person would be like, oh my god, that's that's my colleague, or oh my god. So anyway, you hope. Uh, there's Okay, the, the, they were, the, both of them were abducted. And now their leader was almost abducted, Dr. Creel, who was the VIP that the players sprung. So there's no evidence linking the missing people or the abduction to Biotechnica yet. So uh, it's obvious to the players that it's linked. Biotechnica has many labs throughout Austin, but the strangest one is next to a nightclub. No one is allowed inside without authorization. The first thing you see when you walk in is a 10-foot-tall artificial intelligence robot in the lab. Uh, Family scouts have said this lab has been busier than ever, and also the nightclub has been reporting strange activities coming from that lab for weeks, and the Austin City Police Department has been dragging their feet about it. That was actually a plot hole, because in my mind, Biotechnica owned the nightclub and the lab, and I should have never had that. I don't even think I mentioned that in our story. That that should have been deleted. Um, because th- they wouldn't report it. Basically what they were doing is they were taking really drunk individuals from the nightclub. Taking them to that lab. Experimenting on them for this new AI thing that I was talking about. So here we go. The main mystery. Corporate goons are disguised as regular patrons at this nightclub. Instead, I made it so they're the security of the nightclub. They are predators that are abducting super drunk patrons. They lure them into the lab where their cyberware is taken apart and the patrons are geotagged and their DNA is put into a database. So at this point, I didn't have any idea of making like any kind of AI or anything like that. I was just like biotechnicas chopping them up and and taking them for parts. Various boosters are in the club, uh, but there are mostly corporates here. They never went to the club once. They never went inside. They never. I had a whole like 
bathroom line is long corpse are doing synth coke in the bathroom never mattered electronic music is blaring never mattered here's some rumors that they would have heard in the in the club chrome fest is coming to austin in two weeks it's a rock concert they were never in the club the lab next door is actually a cyberware chop shop for microtech they never heard that and i'm glad they didn't because that's not what it was the drinks here are stronger than any other bar in town they didn't hear about that, so they didn't go into the club. They didn't go into the club. Here's more stuff. Patrons, female drug dealer, canine, Wolverine tattoo standing against the wall, secretly has Biotechnica bodyguards around her. Never met this person. Never met the bachelor party. Never met Yi Mueller, corporate trophy hunter, loves hunting endangered species. I mean, dude, all this work that I did, they did not even go there once. They literally got into a fucking brawl in the alleyway with the, so one of the security guards started dragging a patron into the alleyway and they just went into the alleyway fought off those security guards and and helped this dude get away then a fight they started like a fight outside like with though that guy and his friends and they were like, dude, are you okay? What happened? And they're like, oh, these guys are trying to hassle me. Fuck these guys. And they were like corporates. I don't know what happened. Honestly, it was all off the cuff. I didn't even know what was going on. I was literally like, dude, why didn't you guys go in the fucking nightclub, man? <laughs> like, I was thinking that. Why didn't they go in the fucking nightclub? I, I have all this shit planned. And they're like, let's go around it and outside it and talk to that guy and this guy. But hey, man, that's what my players wanted to do. And that's what they did. And in the end, I, I somehow brought it back to the lab. So, of course, they had to leave the place. They actually had to leave, which presented a huge problem because they got into a gunfight and then they started a riot outside of the nightclub. How are they going to go into this lab and investigate it if there's a riot going on outside? So they had to leave. The police were coming. I mean, they have to collect dead bodies. And I, I, I honestly, I didn't know what to do. I was like dumbfounded. I was like, well, I planned like this whole thing with this lab. If they leave and never go into the lab, I don't even know what we're going to do. Like the, the plot points are coming out of this lab. So basically they left and I had my guide NPC, Dr. Creel, which is the main VIP that they rescued. I had him say like, hey, you guys have to go to that lab. You guys have to go back. You guys have to go and see what that's all about because we've had we've had two of our own kidnapped and they try to kidnap me and if they're taking party goers into that lab then we need to know what the hell they're doing so the players are like all right i guess we're gonna go back and remember we're on a time crunch biotechnica is supposed to go to the galt site within the whole campaign uh one shot was supposed to be done in like an hour or two and you know basically the players had to go back so the he implored them to go back and the players got the hint and they're like all right fine after two hours after they clean up the mess they go back and i go yep the mess is gone the nightclub is closed because of the gunfight that happened the cops cleaned up all the bloody bodies and uh yeah it's another day in night in a night night city austin it's another day in austin which is just like night city pretty much in that sense excuse me so they go into the lab and let's read about the lab so in the lab i had a net run that happened the first thing that they see when they walk in is a giant artificial a giant robot that's like connected to these hoses that are connected to the wall and i decided to do that because i wanted there to be like some kind of 
uh, security system at this lab that is autonomous, that can always be there. And I decided Biotechnica put two turrets uh, that shoot AR-50 or, or, or assault rifle turrets and a giant robot in the middle of the room that controls everything. So that's what I did. It was cool. It was a fun battle. We were still trying to figure out what combat is. We made a bunch of mistakes. I mean, the first like four sessions we did combat wrong. But hey, it was literally our first time playing Cyberpunk Red. It was the first time anybody had played Cyberpunk Red. Uh, like, uh, bar some like 10, 20 other people. You know what I mean? So anyway, we, uh, we, we did that. We did the combat. We stopped the robot. Then they go into the next room. And they find the body of Jeffrey Denbo, one of the members of the Central Texas Preservation Society. And he's in, in a terrible shape. Like his arm is gone. Half of his torso is gone. He's a bloody mess on this on this like security table or this uh, surgery table. And uh, yeah, so he's just sitting there. And the net runner was going to find all the information. So remember, this is a one shot. So I need to like button everything up. So that he was going to find all the information that was going to damn Biotechnica. They were going to use this information as leverage with the police department and the city council and whoever else would help. And with that, they were going to pressure Biotechnica to give up or uh, at least for them to be able to like battle against Biotechnica. Because remember, they're going with an armed caravan. If the police are on your side and they hear about what Biotechnica is doing, then they'll go and they'll help you, or other organizations will go and they'll help you because they don't want Biotechnica Biotechnica to get away with basically doing something terribly, horribly illegal. So he found some research papers. Studies suggest that DNA degradation is occurring with test subjects and may be related to radiation exposure. So why I decided that they're looking for the galt site dna from like ancient people is because those ancient people were not exposed to the same radiation that we're exposed to and especially in the dark future how much they're exposed to like the average person because of that dna degradation happens when they're doing their tests and it makes test subjects not able to withstand whatever tests they're trying to do and this by the way I think we kind of ended it right before this happened. And I told the guys like, all right, uh, by the way, so this is supposed to be a one shot. So next time when we meet up, we'll just like finish it up. And they told me, you know what, John, we kind of like these characters. Why don't we just make a campaign out of it? And I said, yeah, sure. I mean, why not? I can do that. So I stretched out this one shot and I made a campaign. And how do I do that? You add more locations, you add more mystery, you add more obstacles. And I figured out something that is like an overarching plot point that is far more important than what we had originally thought. So that's when I introduced something called Gatekeeper Protocol is what I called their research, their project. It's a biotechnical project that is creating machine learning AI using organic hybrids as a base like human beings. The subject must be an able-bodied man or woman, preferably of high intellect and between the ages of 25 to 45. With the help of a chemical compound, the subject is put into a fugue state so that they may be controlled. 
Their consciousness and power to reason is personified in a net architecture where the AI or demon can manipulate the architecture to their desires. So they pump them full of drugs. They have to be of high intelligence. So that's why kidnapping scholars and people from this society, the Central Texas Preservation Society, is perfect. They're, they're like the perfect specimens for this. But even then, they're seeing that Biotechnica is having issues. It's not working the way that they want to. So they're using a combination of all efforts of finding ancient people, finding their DNA, and also finding intelligent. You know, what if you find an, uh, an ancient person that was intelligent for their time? and can reason better or whatever you want to call it um uh, it's debatable if iqs even are a real thing i know i'm aware of this but i'm just suspending the disbelief and i'm just going to say that it is real for the sake of the setting just so we can make biotechnica have a reason for kidnapping people but i'm fully aware that iq tests are probably just bullshit um so yeah that's when they find out that something big is happening they see this corpse they they realize the corpse was in control the, that Jeffrey Denbo this body was in control of that robot out there. It was the one it, because in the net also I forgot to mention the demon was creating black ice on the spot, and that's not something that you can do. That's not something a demon can do. So our net runner was like, uh, I don't know what the fuck's going on. I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen a demon create black ice and like plant them into a room that you're in so i'm just gonna slide get whatever information i can and get the fuck out of here and that's exactly what they did and that's where we will end this uh if you guys are interested in me going one by one into exactly uh, what happened with the campaign i mean i have notes here of what we were supposed to do and as you can tell from the nightclub None of that stuff happened. So I think it would be interesting to show you guys how sometimes you prepare something and it'll never get touched, but people will still have fun. You got to be able to think on your feet and change the rules as you go along. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I really appreciate it. I did a nice little long one for you guys today because you guys deserve it. And uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for all your support. For real, guys. I really appreciate it. If you guys want to show some love and support me in any type of way, the Patreon is a great way to support me. Patreon.com slash John John the Wise. But you can also just subscribe, like my stuff on YouTube, whatever. I mean, all that stuff, everything helps. All that stuff helps. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for making this community awesome. It wouldn't be awesome without you. And I really appreciate everything you guys do. All right. We'll see you on the next one. Bye.